Good morning. I'm Charles Walker. I am the pastor here at First EC Church in Palmar. Welcome. As we celebrate the life of Terrell Myers, Terrell was um, 75 when he passed on into eternal life on Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. He was born July 13th, 1946, in Lebanon. He was a son of the late Walter J. and Charlotte K. Myers. Terrell served uh, honorably in the United States Air Force Pennsylvania Air National Guard, attaining the rank of Staff Sergeant. He was a member of Lingolstown American Legion and participated in Honor Guard ceremonies. With 33-plus years of service, he retired from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. During his career, he worked in most of all of Pennsylvania State's mental hospitals. During the latter part of his career, he was appointed to the position of acting chief executive officer at three state hospitals and was appointed to the position of acting chief operating officer at three other state hospitals. He was a member here at the church and was a member of the Gospel Light Sunday School class, a member of Gideon's International. He was an active volunteer in the prison ministry programs at Dauphin County Prison and the Dauphin County Men's Work Release Center. He was a member of Hershey Brown, Brownstone's Lodge 666, Harrisburg Consistory, and a long-standing member of both the Harrisburg and Hershey Civil War Roundtables. Terrell participated in five long-term Parkinson disease research studies at John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. For many years, he was a member of the chain crew for Central Penn Piranha, a semi-pro football team based in central Pennsylvania. Really? He, did he enjoy that? Okay, everyone's like, yes. Sorry, I, when I got to know Terrell, I don't know if he was doing that. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm learning a little bit more about that. He was interested in family gene, genealogy, woodworking, model railroading, Cajun cooking. Cajun cooking? Was he really good? He likes spicy food. Someone said no? Oh, the cooking part, no. But he liked Cajun food. Immensely. Just the cooking, okay. Okay, you two can talk about that later. (laughs) He was a Christian man. And if you knew him, he was a kind man. Very caring. He was a man of his word. He loved each of his member of his family unconditionally and enjoyed attending his grandchildren's activities and sports. Surviving are his son Jason and his daughter Janelle and their families and grandchildren. He was a very special man and it was my honor to have known him and to work with him here at this church. So hear this scriptural call to worship from Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as a protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Let us pray. O gracious Heavenly Father, We seek your presence today as we celebrate the life of Terrell. As we all have gathered here in memory of Terrell, we seek your wisdom through the scripture, your grace through love, and your blessings in the friends and family and loved ones here. 
Please strengthen us with your Holy Spirit during this time. In your Son, Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing Amazing Grace. seated. Our scripture readings today are from Ephesians chapter 6 verses 2 through 4. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on, on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. John three sixteen through 21. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. When I had the opportunity to meet with Terrell some four years ago, he gave me a list of what he wanted for his service. And when I talked to Janelle, we walked walked through that list. Um, And it was quite extensive. And if you knew Terrell, uh, he he had um, a thing about him that everything had to be just so. And, and, And I loved that about him because he kept me organized. I used to drive him crazy. You may not know this, but sometimes I can be disorganized. 
Okay, you didn't have to laugh that much, but some of you don't even know me, but you will know. Anyway, Terrell was this just genuine, kind man. Every time that I would come into church, he would greet me, and he was always having a smile. He always had this um, attitude of wanting to welcome people, and then was concerned, did they know Jesus? And so he He wanted today this scripture uh, to be focused on John because he wanted people to know about salvation. If there's anything that I was to preach on today was salvation. It wasn't to make it about him, about Terrell, but about Christ. And so this passage comes from us, from John, and Nicodemus has come to Jesus at night. Nicodemus was a a righteous man, but he was afraid. He was afraid of the Jewish um, leaders, and so he comes to Jesus at night, and he wanted to know, how can I be saved? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand. And Jesus said, it's not just enough to be born of flesh, you must be born of the Spirit as well. And so Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was the Son of God. In fact, C.S. Lewis says that a man who's merely a man and says the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Either he would be a lunatic on level or he would be the devil. And you must take, make a choice. C.S. Lewis said that either this was and is a son of God, or else something worse. Everyone must come to know that Jesus was much more than just a teacher. He was the son of God. And so the journey that Terrell wanted people to see is how to get to know Jesus. It's believing in Jesus that we start with that devotion and that worship. We owe Jesus everything. And so we should follow him with our whole heart. Salvation is a gift from God. Now, I'm not sure what your background is, so I'm just going to give it to you. And if you have arguments with me, um, send me a note. I'm not going to send you my text or, I mean, phone numbers or anything. Because you need to hear this. No good deed, no work of the flesh will ever bring you to Christ. It is a free gift of grace, that salvation. It cannot be earned on good good behavior and it can't be lost on bad behavior. Once we are saved, we are saved. But because we are saved, we want to be more like Jesus because of what God did for, for us. He sent his son to die on a cross for us, for our sins, so that we have new life. Jesus is sharing that for, for us, we have been rescued from our sin. And it's that love of rescuing people to share that message of salvation which Terrell lit up. Jesus' words in The passage of John are strong, but it's surrounded in love. And that's who Terrell was. If you looked at him, um, Terrell just had this this excitement about Jesus. In fact, um, when when he got the chance to go to the Holy Land, he was like a little kid in a candy 
store. I mean, he was just bouncing around. And he was concerned about how to get there and everything. But when he came back, what a joy on his face. He had to tell me everything. We got to see slides of his tour. In fact, we had a night here where he talked about being rebaptized in the Jordan. He was so excited, and he wanted that excitement to be shared with others. That's who Terrell was, always wanting to know how he could help others come to know Jesus. And so I'm not going to take up um, uh, any more time because I know that we want to have some responses from the family and friends. Um, and so at this time, I'm going to, to ask Janelle, if you're ready, if you'll head over there and we'll listen. Um. So on that last day that he was with us, uh, Charlie and I went to the home where he was living and went to his room and just stayed with him for several hours. And I'm looking at him as he's laying there and thinking back on all the fun stories growing up and all the times we shared together and all the things that we did. And I started thinking about this moment. And, um, sorry. Um... Uh, what I would say to sum up an entire lifetime of somebody. And I started thinking about it, and one by one, the staff, the aides, the nurses from Masonic were coming in slowly and coming and saying their goodbyes to him. And one of the aides got down on his knees and held his hand and said, Terrell, I'm going to miss our conversations about Cajun cooking and football. And I thought, okay. And then a nurse came in, and she's like, Daryl, I'm going to miss our times that we talked about music and grandchildren. And then another person came in, and, and they were saying to me, oh, we always talked about his trip to Jerusalem, about the Civil War, and everybody that came in had something different that they talked about him with. And I thought, geez, what a dynamic person. He had so many varied interests and so many things that he loved, and he was passionate about every single one of those things. He didn't just like the Civil War. He was on the Civil War roundtable. And um, he didn't just come to church. He did everything that you were saying. Uh, everything he did, he did with passion. And it was contagious. And he always had something he could talk with with everybody. And uh, that's been the biggest thing for me in the past week and a half since he passed is just that day seeing all these people coming in saying different things and telling different stories and and that's what led me to really thinking about all the things that he did and it is amazing and we're going over the obituary and just the list goes on and on of the activities um you know he had passion for church as he was saying every wednesday he would go to dolphin county prison and speak with the inmates and try to talk to them about his faith and after those inmates would be released, he would take them to the grocery store and take them to job interviews and continue to have a relationship with them. It was so important to him. Um, but aside from religion, he was also so passionate about so many other things. I wrote some things down because it's a lot. Um, he did honor guard. Some of his honor guard friends are here, and he loved those guys. Those were his people, and uh, thank you for taking him around with you guys. He loved it. It was everything to him. He would march in the parades. I would take the kids to see him. Uh, he would go to a lot of veteran funerals. He did a lot of things for veteran families, and honor guard was very important to him. And um, I've met so many of you over the past few years. Uh, he's had so many different people from different facets of life. Um, somebody here was from the Piranhas. He could speak to it better than I could. Um, he was part of the chain crew. <laughs> uh, they would move the chains for the first downs. I'm not sure what that is. but um, And uh, he loved that. He was fired up on those days that there was Piranhas games. He really enjoyed that until he got plowed over <laughs> at one of the games. 
Uh, he, his Parkinson's didn't let him get out of the way fast enough, and he was taken down. Somebody was coming out for a long pass, and that was the end of that. But uh, he would always still continue to go to the games. He would travel with them to the away team, away games, and the, the team all loved him. He became like the team mascot, and it, it was nice. Uh, he went on disaster relief trips. Uh, he went to New Orleans after Katrina. He went to Alabama after tornadoes. He went on 10, 12 disaster relief trips. He would go for a week and help rebuild and, and help make things better for those people. That's just who he was. And while he was there, he loved Cajun food. That's how he got into Cajun food, jambalaya and shrimp po'boys. And <laughs> um, he loved all, all his Cajun food. He loved hot sauces. He would always eat his salad with his meal. He'd never eat the salad ahead of time. The waitress would always try to take it away, and he'd tell him, no, needs to go with my meal. He was a quirky little guy. Um, with all the skills that he developed from being on those disaster relief trips, he got into woodworking and made a big trunk. There's a picture of that back there uh, for me after he had had cancer. He spent 200 hours working on this thing, and when it was done, we took a picture. He gave it to me for Christmas, and we took a picture together, and uh, he had used Craftsman tools to make it, and he sent it into Craftsman, and they put it in their catalogs and their brochures and we were in a calendar so it was a big deal like for a guy that had no like you know history of any formal training and he was really proud of that and he would always joke that we're like centerfold magazine people now uh, uh, he helped us gut and renovate our house he came over every night he was 60 years old working a full-time job and he would go home eat dinner and then come to our house for two three hours every night and help charlie work on our house and uh, they became really close that year there was a lot of time spent together a lot of a lot of stories <laughs> charlie like did you know <laughs> it's like and i'm like i don't know whatever there, there's always so many he loved country music. They listened to a lot of country music while they were doing all those renovations. He loved going to the Winter Circle Saloon and going dancing. Uh, I found a card for him when I was going through all of his stuff, and it said, um, buckle up, we're going to go to see George Jones at the York Fair. And that was on Monday, September 13th. And today's Monday, September 13th. That's what we were doing 17 years ago today. Um, that was weird. He loved those concerts. We went to see David Allen Coe in Lancaster. Um, we had our own little concert on a cruise ship in a karaoke bar. Did a very embarrassing rendition of Who Let the Dogs Out. I'm not sure <laughs> why that happened. And uh, it was really cleared the room quickly. Um, he loved to read. It was books, 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 books. More books than anyone you know. Um, I moved him seven times in the past 14 years, and one of the locations that he wanted to live was so he could be walking distance to the library. Um, he had a car. I'm not sure why he had to be able to walking distance to the library. He loved books. He was part of the Harrisburg Consistory, Brownstone Lodge. He did plays. I would help him go over his lines, and uh, he had a monologue that was several paragraphs long, and I still, 35 years later could recite it. I can do that later if anyone's interested in, in hearing that. Uh, I don't even know, honestly, what I'm saying when I'm saying it. I don't know what the play was about, or what, but I still remember that monologue. He played ice hockey. He played the drums and the accordion. I don't know many people who play the accordion, um, but he did. And it wasn't just in a box in the basement. It was in our front entryway um, <laughs> in the closet there. I don't know why it got such prime real estate in the house. I'm not sure. Um, and he would have a little concert for us. He'd play the piano, and he'd play it like this, because that's the way he was used to seeing the piano keys. Um, so, yeah, Steve Urkel is the only other person I've ever heard of that <laughs> plays the accordion, which is pretty faithful. Um, he walked every day for 25 years, every day. He was a blood donor participated in all those Parkinson's research studies, and they would contact me to find out my perspective of how he was doing with everything. Uh, immediately after he passed, uh, we started calling Johns Hopkins because he wanted to donate his brain. So we were making those arrangements so that 
his brain could go to Johns Hopkins so they can do research for Parkinson's and hopefully find a way to help treat it better. It was always very important to him. Um, he loved family history, took a lot of pictures growing up. Jason and I would get so annoyed that every, everywhere we went, we had to go stand there. It makes it more interesting if somebody's in front of there, go stand in front of that statue. And he read that in one of his, <laughs> one of his books. He read that. And uh, he's right. And now I make my kids do that. <laughs> and we always had to stick our finger up because he couldn't just buy a, a click-and-shoot camera. Everything he did, he did full gusto, and he had a, a, a more expensive, more focusable cam camera, but he didn't know how to use it. He was terrible with technology. That was not his thing. And he would underline all of the manual, end up crossing it out because his hand would be shaky. So many manuals. Oh, yeah. Um, but he used all those pictures. He put them into family history books. We have dozens of books uh, documenting everything. Family was extremely important to him. History was important to him. Documenting what he wanted here today. I had a lot of papers. I've read. Um, he had it well laid out. He was organized. Um, he did Civil War Roundtable. He donated artwork to the Civil War Museum. He wanted to make sure his high school reunion would always happen, so he wanted to be on the committee to make sure that that never would fall through. A bunch of his high school friends are here today, and thank you for being here. Um, he did it all. He was involved in everything, but I never felt like that was at the expense of our relationship. He always had time, no matter what. We played a lot of pool and a lot of ping pong growing up. I still like to play it with a bunch of my friends. Um, he was really involved. The final year of junior high school, it's a tradition, it was a tradition back in the 90s that you get a limousine and it takes you to Hershey Park. And my friends and I weren't on it fast enough and by the time we called, all the limousines were booked. But he was there. <laughs> he showed up in a black suit, a white shirt, skinny tie, limousine hat, and uh, our buffed up minivan. <laughs> and he took my friends and I to Hershey Park, and uh, we obviously were like, this is not nearly as cool as what everyone else is doing. Um, but now I realize it's actually a lot cooler. Um, he took off work to come do that for us. And he didn't work locally. He traveled for work. And back there, I had all those badges. He was all over all the state hospitals, all over Pennsylvania. He was in Clark Summit, Danville, Allentown, Scranton, dozens of locations, and he would be there for six months, nine months, 15 months since. He never wanted to actually have us move because he didn't want to disrupt our lives, so he traveled. And he would leave on a Sunday, he would go, he'd come back on a Tuesday or Wednesday if Jason had a cross-country match or I had a game or he had to drive me to Hershey Park. Um, and then he'd go back in the morning and come back on Friday, and he would pull into the driveway and his country music would be blaring, and I would go running out with my softball glove and his softball glove before he even got out of the car and be like, Dad, you want to pass? And he was like, yup. <laughs> and, and he did. And he'd be still wearing his suit and he would put on his glove and he would go to his spot in the yard and I would go to my spot in the yard and he'd be throwing me high pops and grounders and we would just talk. He did that a lot. And now as a parent, I realize that you tend to say like, yeah, in five minutes. <laughs> five minutes just give me five minutes and he didn't do that he literally would be doing it in his suit out in the backyard he did that a lot um he coached my t-ball team and then i ended up coaching a t-ball team i take pictures of my kids in front of the statues there's just so many pieces of life that i picked up from him uh he loved going to our kids' activities. Um, his favorite thing was going to see Braden's baseball games. He loved, that was his holy grail. And um, a month before he passed away, we picked him up in Charlie's dad's handicapped van. Uh, Braden had an all-star game right here in Elizabeth, well, in Elizabethtown. And we picked him up and took him to a game. And that was a month before he passed away. He was so happy. And I'm really glad we got to do that. In a minute, I thought I was doing it for him, and then I realized, like, I was doing it for all of us, and I'm glad he got to do that. 
Um, he loved what he did for work. He was excited to retire and have more time to follow some of his passions. He was a hard worker by nature, but in the end, as soon as he retired, he started picking up odd jobs. He did a rent-a-son handyman business. Um, I helped him make a brochure for his <laughs> budding business. He worked at Lowe's briefly before he got an injury and didn't want to ruin their 100 days without an injury bonus that the guys would get if there was no injury, so he quit. Um, so he wouldn't ruin that for them. Um, he worked at Brownstone doing janitorial service. He worked at an apartment complex doing maintenance, anything to stay busy. And it was at that apartment complex that he would pull things out of a dumpster and sell them on Craigslist. Um, He's like, chill, these things are perfectly fine. These people are getting rid of them. He would take them home, he'd clean them up, and uh, he'd take pictures of them and bring it over, and we would spend hours posting things on Craigslist. Hours posting things. I had folders on my, on my computer of Craigslist things. Um, TVs were his hot button. Uh, people were always throwing away TVs because they were upgrading to a flat screen or they weren't willing to take it with them. And he would send away to Sony or Panasonic or whatever and ask them to send the manual. He liked his manuals. And he would buy a universal remote for it. Um, he thought that that made the package sweeter. If he had the manual, the remote, and the TV, he could sell it for $24. That was his going rate for a TV. And he got it. He, had, he sold all those things. Um, but he didn't keep that money. He did that so he could donate more money to charity. And that's... That's who he was. So thinking of all these things in the past week and knowing all the different activities and things that he was involved in, and he was just so passionate. And um, that's the legacy I want for myself from him. I want to find the things that I'm passionate about and go after him the way that he did and dive in headfirst with everything. So... Um, thank you all so much for being here. It's really nice to put some faces with names. I've talked to so many of you over the years, updating you on how he's doing, giving you a new address, new address, new address, new address. Um, and I, it's so nice to see so many people from so many different facets of life, and it just really encompasses who he is, who he was, and all the things that were so important to him. And, and he loved hard, and he loved all of you. I promise you he did. And that's what he was. Um, if anyone else wanted to say anything, I know Jason's going to say something. We would love to hear any more stories. He literally, everybody's got a different story to tell about him. Just like at Masonic, everybody had a different relationship and different interests that they could connect with him about. So we'd love to hear that. So that last day, after all the aides and nurses left, Charlie and I were there and... Um, um, he slowly started taking less and less breaths. And you could visibly see that happening. And eventually it just stopped. It was very, very peaceful. There was nobody in the room except for Charlie and I. And um, I looked at Charlie and I was like, I think that's it. And uh, I put my hand on his chest and I said goodbye. And then I smiled. You know, he's been talking about this moment for years. Um, he strongly believed that when he died, he would go to heaven and he would see his parents and his friends and family and his dog, Pinky, his childhood dog. And he would meet them at the Jordan River where he was baptized. And he talked about that a lot, especially in the last several years. And in that final moment, the sadness turned to like, wow, he's there. He's there. And I'm happy for him. He had a really good loving life. He struggled a lot in the end with his physical deterioration, and he was finally where he wanted to be, and I just thought, he's looking around right now, and he's so happy and feeling good, and I'm happy for him. So thank you for being here, and rest in peace. First off, uh, thank you for everyone that's here. Um, the last 25 years of living in Florida, I've heard a lot of people's names and stories and whatnot, and I promise you that you're here for a reason. He wanted you here. 
Um, it would meant it would would have meant a lot for him to know that you're here. So thank you. Um, my sister spoke a lot about him. So if you don't mind, I like to speak a lot about the two people that he affected the most, which is uh, obviously Janelle and myself. Um, I can't play golf because of my dad. Um, I don't know about Janelle's golf game. It's probably pretty bad, too. Um, Saturday mornings, well, as a kid, were spent, and thank you, Mom, on this, too, um, were spent doing chores. And he would put a list together of every chore that I had to do, wash the car, mow the grass, all those type of things. And to this day, unlike the pastor, I'm organized. And I get my things done on a Saturday morning, and I haven't played golf on a Saturday in years. Because every Saturday morning I wake up, typically before those three, and I get my things done. And I tell employees that I have now that create lists, have the satisfaction of crossing those items off, and then go play golf or then go do whatever activity that you wanted to do. And uh, I see the amazing mom that Janelle is and a lot of the things that, that are in her and that are in me are, are because of our, of our dad. Um, you know, when I moved to Florida 25 years ago, I, I honestly, I look back and I don't know that I was really nervous. And I think the reason why I wasn't nervous is that so many of the tools um, from a lot of people, but definitely uh, from him. And uh, maybe the most important thing was just the support. And um, he's telling me that, you know, if you would fail, which I know you won't, but if you would fail, you know you can always come back. And I just knew that I was making the right decision, and but it was good to know that there was that safety net if I needed that. Um, but just over the years of just um, having the right things in life, of doing the right thing and working hard and never giving up, and that's because... A lot of it was because of him. Um, I'll, now I'll tell more of a fun story, I guess, so to speak. February 4th, uh, February 4th 2018, um, to Cowboy fans, you don't like that day, but to us Eagle fans, I'm, I'm in Florida with my friends. I'm watching a game in my house, and my friend says, the game's over, man. The Eagles won, and I'm like, I can't believe this. This is awesome, right? And like 30 seconds later, my phone starts ringing in my back pocket. I'm like, who's calling me at this moment? I'm going to... I'm going to kill this person. And it was the only person in life that I would want to have heard from. And uh, it was the worst phone call ever. No one could talk to each other. Um, tears of joy just out of me and out of him. And he was, he was so happy. And I, at that moment, I remembered what it was like to lose all those games that he and I would go to. Particularly one in, in uh, I was in college. And he picks me up from school. We go to the game. He was lose. We come out of the parking lot. He's like, did you have a good time? And I'm like, I had a great time hanging out with you. But the game, I think we got used to losing. I don't know. I moved to Florida, Eagles, playing games, we lose. And there's that one moment that we had like one two-minute phone call that the Eagles won the game. And I knew how happy he was for me, and I was happy for him. And it was just a really nice moment of uh, not talking to each other, just crying on the phone and and just being, um, Jason, remember all those years the Eagles lost? They finally won. I'm like, I, Dad, I know. I, I can't even believe it. Uh, still to this day. Um, he, our father was definitely a, an amazing person. Um, taught me a lot. Definitely the most kind person and honest person that I've ever met. And uh, was a great friend, great father. Um, I'll keep this short. The, the last thing that I said to him was, was his birthday um, a month ago. The last year was just tough calling him. And I just said, uh, Dad, happy birthday. I, I love you. And we were on the phone for about eight minutes. And most of the eight minutes were trying to get him back into the conversation but I, I told him I loved him. I, I said, happy birthday. And he said, he paused and he said, Jason, 
I love you. Goodbye. And those were the last words he said to me. And I'm happy that that's the last time that I spoke to him because it was such a, for one, one more moment of my life, he was here. And um, he said goodbye. He meant it. I, I know that he meant it. And I meant it to him. And uh, I'm happy, like Janelle said, that he is with uh, his parents, his friends, and, you know, watch it down over all of us. Thank you. I'll make this short. Just wanted to say a few words. <clears throat> I'm the oldest. Terrell came along five years later, so he was my brother. <clears throat> then three more years later, my brother came along, so I now had two brothers. But we were together as kids uh, at family gatherings on the holidays and so forth and so on, and then grew and our separate lives turned and we had our own families and our own kids. But I know it was very important to Turl that his children know the Lord, just as it is important to me that my children know the Lord. One day I'll be up there before them, and I'll be there to greet them. He was my aunt, was his mom, and this is the Klinger side. <clears throat> and I'm thinking after Janelle's call, that he was so into his heritage and he knew so much about the Myers family and was in the process of studying more of the Klinger family. But <clears throat> we will be done here shortly. Turl was joining them ahead of me. And then was my brother, and he has a daughter. And then was Barry, and he has a daughter. Leanne and Brenda. Once the five of us are all gone, the Klinger line has gone. So I'm anxious to see him eventually. And by the way, he does like spicy food. We used to cook on Wednesday nights, and he'd make me poor boy sandwiches. It was actually better. It had gotten better. Because... <clears throat> Well, I mean, he, he, we, we would take turns. I would cook once Wednesday, he would cook the next. And actually, he was getting pretty good. You know, really, he was improving. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, there was a lot I didn't know about. Terrell, that I, I finally got to know now. Um, and in all of this, the greatest joy um, was that both of you know Jesus. That's it. Whatever happens after that, wonderful. But to know Jesus first. Um, I, I will have to so there is one thing in my mind that I can't get out of. is seeing Terrell singing, Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> I just can't, I, I, I can't picture him singing that. And now it's stuck. And then I got, well, what if he played the accordion playing Who Let the Dogs Out? And now that's just stuck. But, I know. But well, here's a wonderful thing. Um, to wrap, I know you have stories, and I want you to, to share that with Janelle uh, and Jason. Um, Terrell loved people, but he loved the Lord more. And knowing the peace, uh, when I talked to Janelle um, right after uh, he passed, um, there was a joy that you had, not that he was gone, but where you knew he was. And I could tell that in your voice. There was, we're emotional because he's gone, 
but we know where he is. And that's that incredible peace that you can't, you can't share with anyone. I mean, it's, it's, it's there, and it's awesome. Is there anyone else? Oh, my song guy has, has gone, uh, so I'm going to let you. I'm Dave Givens from the class of 64 in Elizabethtown. And I know we have a lot of classmates here today. In fact, I'm going to ask, just raise your hands. I want you to see. We're scattered around. That's the row back there. There are a few of you. Uh, Terrell was on our class reunion committee, as it's been mentioned. I knew Janelle only by name until we got the news that Terrell died. And then we talked on the phone. I actually got the news from Charlie Kaufman in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was crawling to bed on September 1st, having just spent a whole day visiting the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. I lived in Michigan for 37 years, so I was kind of out of the loop of the class since we graduated in 64. And uh, for some reason, I couldn't sleep that night. I couldn't get just, just, Terrell's gone. And uh, I had a very special personal relationship with Terrell that I'd like to speak to. In fact, you've already heard so many things about him, and I don't want to extend the time longer. So I'm just going to take you to what I wrote, but the problem was my printed copy got left at home on my desk. But I'm not quite so not techie as Terrell was. And so I brought it with me and transferred it to my phone so that I can share with you some of the thoughts that I had on that night. Um, you'll, this story will roll out as I read it. Funerals are not for the dead, but for the living. That was my first thought. Today, Terrell is more alive than ever before. The Bible teaches us that those who have put their faith in Jesus' sacrifice for their sins are absent from the body and present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5.8. But in another sense, even though Terrell is more alive now than he ever has been before on this earth, funerals are for us who are still living. We who are alive have been on this earth and walking around sometimes thinking we're alive and appear to be alive, but our spirit is dead and separated from the living and vital relationship that God wants to have with us. Terrell and I were high school classmates. I didn't know him as a fellow brother in Christ back in the 60s. In fact, years later at one of our class reunions after leading the gathering in prayer, they always kind of called on me because he was the preacher in the class. That was, I think, my reputation even as a classmate. Terrell came up to me after my prayer and he said, I could have done that. I'm so glad you did. And then added, I too am a man of faith. Now, I confess, that was not a description I would have used of Terrell in high school. That may not have been his fault. It may not have been his, probably my own, my narrow perspective and view. But that comment started a new relationship. It was a relationship that I suddenly realized what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. That day began a new relationship between us. And as the pastor shared earlier of Nicodemus, I said, truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, unless you are born again. And you know, as you were sharing earlier, I, I said, this was the same thoughts that God was putting on my heart that night when I got his news. Unless... You're born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Since I lived in Michigan, I didn't get to visit Terrell very much. We'd see each other at class reunions every five years. I got to many of them, not always. But after he had his Parkinson's, I made a point of uh, stopping by. First, I remember an apartment, I think, in uh, Harrisburg, and then later at the, uh, the home there. And then, of course, Parkinson's, or rather, the the COVID thing hit and everybody was shut down. I lived, I moved back to Pennsylvania just three years ago and live at Garden Spot Village now in New Holland. 
So I hope to see him a lot more. But finally, on a, on a uh, family reunion day, for me, my family, the Gibbons family reunion was every Sunday before Father's Day, so that was June 13th, interestingly, July, this is September 13th. I said to my wife, you know, I don't know if I can get in at the Masonic Homes, but I've got to try. I've got to see Terrell one more time. And we did. We got together and we rejoiced in the confident expectation of heaven. Actually, they'd already closed the doors and weren't letting anyone in. I said, I live in New Holland and I don't get up here very often. And okay, I'll let you in. And he wasn't in his room. I didn't even find his room. But one of the help said, there he is. And he was asleep watching TV. Well, the TV was probably watching him. But uh, I walked in and he just immediately recognized me. He beamed ear to ear. And I just knelt down by him. I got a picture, a little selfie I've shared with Janelle. And it was just a special moment as we prayed together and rejoiced in the confident expectation of heaven and the eternal home of it there. At our high school class 55th reunion, I got lassoed in by a friend sitting on the back pew there, Forrest Valentine, saying, we need you on the committee. So in a way, I guess I stepped into Terrell's shoes. And uh, he said to me, I, I wanted to distribute Gideon Bibles. I'm going a little bit off text, but it's all written down here. <laughs> I wanted to, but I, I didn't want them to know they were from me. And I thought, you know, it wasn't about Terrell. It was about knowing the word of God. And uh, so we arranged for me to pick up a box of 100 New Testament Gideon Bibles. And then the night before, he was taken to the hospital. And since I was the moderator of the 55th reunion, I took it on myself to let the class know that these New Testaments were a gift from Terrell. More than half of that box of 100 Bibles was taken by our class members. Those that were left behind, and I'm sure Terrell knows this now, were given to a close Amish friend of mine where I now live. John Lapp told me, you know, there's a revival coming among the Amish, but, but it's kind of slow. <laughs> and the thing that opened up his eyes to know the truth of the gospel, that it's not a life of rules and regulations or culture, but the truth of the gospel is faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, not the works, not the life we live. And he found that with an English Bible because they speak Pennsylvania Dutch, but they don't read and write it. They learn high German so they can worship in it, but they don't understand a word of the high German. The only language they read and write in is English. And so it was an English Bible that brought the light. And so to borrow the title from a book, well, I'm getting ahead of myself there. And so Terrell's work is continuing to follow him even after he has left us behind. The gospel is not just good news for the future home in heaven to those who believe, but rather the gospel is good news of bringing heaven to earth. It's not so much how we get you into heaven as is how we get heaven into you. And Jesus in, in the Lord's Prayer said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's desire. And that was what was made so aware to me in what I've heard from Terrell's life today. To borrow a title of a book I was given recently, Heaven or Eternity is Now in Session. In John 5, 24, we read, Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, you don't have to fear the future because you have it. Eternal life is now. But we have passed from death to life. Terrell is now more alive than he ever was. Thank you. Let us pray. And as we, as we do pray, uh, we're going to close in the Lord's Prayer. And here at our church, I um, wanted to let you know, uh, we say, um, as we forgive, the, forgive our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. However, if you're like trespasses or you like debts, 
then you can may say that as well. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, in as, as much in your sovereign love, you've called home our loved one. We, expect, we express our thanks and privilege of knowing Terrell. We thank you for the way he impacted our lives, for your grace through the difficult times. We are grateful for your love, you who sent Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, you who have prepared a place for us who trust you, who alone are worthy of our faith. To you we turn for continued strength, continued comfort, continued perspective, continued purpose. It is in Christ's name we pray, who taught us to pray, saying in one voice, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Will you please stand as we sing as the deer panteth. So maybe I am not that good at technology either. Uh, my sound guy had to la- leave, and I was controlling it through my iPad. So in honor of Terrell, I can't figure this out. <laughs> Let us, 
pray, um, or let us pray for the benediction. From number 6, 24, 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. And all of God's children said, Amen.